did you put red lipstick on for me? You already know. I can wear red lipstick at home working remotely because why not? <laughs> <laughs> why the hell not all right it doesn't matter if i haven't washed my hair in eight days i have red lipstick on <laughs> hey, I, I, know, I just feel like i need to like give you this big hug oh my gosh damn right that's how we start our meetings damn right <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of A Tall Glass of Sass. You already know who it is. Your bestie, Molly. Now look, I've got a guest. Yes, yes, yes. Now I'm calling this episode, as I'm sure you can see, Where Are They Now? I have Ashley here, who is by far one of my favorite, most favorite clients ever. Welcome, Ashley, to the podcast. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate it. And I just want to add on, you are way more than just a coach, and I'm way more than just a client. You are my friend, and I'm honored to know you and to continue this relationship. Ah, right back at you, babe. Right back at you. Now, when I reached out to Ashley, I'm going to be just straight shooter with all you, okay? I know that I have been very fortunate to have a strong following of transitioning educators, okay? Hello to all of you transitioning teachers, okay? The reason why, when I thought about who do I want on my podcast to have this Where Are They Now episode, it made all of the sense to bring in someone who can relate, who can understand your journey, who understands where you are now to see what's possible and for her to share all of the things that she's doing today, okay? And let me say this, as someone who is an entrepreneur and someone who runs my own business, sales is one of those things that has such a negative rap and it's not yep. it's not fair, okay? Sales is one yes. of the most lucrative careers that you can be in. And today's episode is going to challenge all of those negative connotations about what that looks like, okay? So let's kick this off here. Ashley, can you share with the listeners here where you were prior to beginning your SDR, your sales development representative role? Where were you? What were you doing? Yes. So thank you, everyone who's tuning in and listening. Before I was in my current role, I was a fourth grade reading language arts teacher working in inner city public schools in Miami. And I'm going to be just as transparent as Molly. I was absolutely miserable and desperate to be done with teaching. It was my third year at that school. It was my ninth year in education. 
And right before I made the decision to leave teaching, I had just graduated from the University of Miami with my master's degree in social change in education. And for some reason in my head, I thought that that was the key to getting out of teaching. I had a master's degree and anyone and everyone would be knocking on my door to hire me. And that was not the case at all. Yeah. So when you and I started working, I'm going to speed right through. Okay. Yep. Yep. So we agreed that, yes, let's do this. Let's collaborate. Let's work together. Okay. And when we were helping you to pinpoint what that next role was and sales came up in the conversation, be real. What were some of the things that like, crossed your mind when you were thinking sales really sales is my next role what were some of those things my reaction was exactly what you just said sales really no not at all not interested if i'm gonna leave teaching i'll leave it but it's definitely not going to be for an entry level sales role i had in my mind this taboo associated with sales that it was some type of deceiving or manipulative role. And I didn't know how to do it. And how did I know what to sell? And how would I even know what I wanted to sell? And so in my mind, it just didn't make sense. However, um, at the same time, I kept receiving notifications after updating my LinkedIn profile with Molly for tons of sales development roles. So it was hard to ignore that role when I'm constantly getting approached by recruiters to apply here and apply there. And that's when I sat down with Molly and I was like, hey, listen, I know that sales was not on my non-negotiable list. And I know this was not what my resume was revamped for. However, let's talk about what it means to be in sales and let's talk about what it takes. And do you think that I have what it takes to be in sales coming from a transitioning teacher background? And before Molly even says anything, because of course I know she's going to say yes, like she did to me when I asked her, the answer is Yes. For those of you who are listening, who are transitioning teachers, we are natural sales women and men. Every single day I show up and I sell to you the importance of learning about math, reading, science, language arts, and I build rapport with you in order to do so. And I help you solve your problems. And that is essentially all sales is. It is a service to others to help them solve their challenges. Damn right. Damn right. Can do I get remember- an amen? Yes. Amen. <laughs> do you remember what I said to you when um, I said, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're talking about sales because yep. do you remember what I said? Can you share what I had shared with you about a a career in sales? You told me that sales was going to be one of the most lucrative career paths I could take, which I did not understand at the time because teaching is quite the exact opposite. 
So when Molly mentioned that she had co-workers in the past walking out with Louis Vuitton bags, I could not even fathom that. Not that I would ever only choose a career path for the money, but I think as transitioning teachers, we are conditioned or society tells us that we don't do our job for money. We do it only for the passion. We do it to help others. We do it because we care so much about children. And so you almost feel guilty when you take into consideration going down a career path of a lucrative salary. Mm -hmm. And so when I talked to Molly about this career path and when I learned it firsthand, it is okay that salary is the most important thing for you. It is okay to ask for more and for want more. It is okay to not only choose a career path based off of passion. And so now that I'm on the other side, my life is so unbelievably different. I had so many negative associations with money because I live in Miami and rent is expensive. And I was just getting by paycheck to paycheck. And I could not afford the things that I wanted. And here I am. I just got back from a cruise with my boyfriend a week ago, paid for by my commission. Every single month, I practice self-care. So I get a facial. And, you know, every single weekend, I'm not budgeting every penny where I was before, whereas now I have more flexibility and freedom with my salary to save my money and to buy whatever I want with financial responsibility, of course. Yes. Now I'm going to give you, and I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. These are the most commonly shared thoughts that I hear from other transitioning teachers, okay? The first one is, I suck at sales. What would you say to them? If you are a teacher, it is impossible that you suck at sales. When I'm on the phone or in a meeting with a potential client, client it's just connecting with another person and mm -hmm. being your authentic self. That's all it is. And as teachers, we do that every day with our students, with our co-teachers, with our administration, with parents, with community members. So you cannot suck at sales. We talk every day. We are involved in public speaking every single day. We are connecting with people and meeting them at their level where they are at every single day. And because of that, you are naturally good at sales. Yes. Here's another one. I hear people say all the time, oh, but it's it's the base and it's the commission. I'm so scared. Like, what if I don't hit my sales goals? Like, what happens? That is, thank you for bringing that up. That's a great question. And that's a question I had. And that's a question that Molly helped me through. And now I'm on the other side of it. So I can give you my perspective. 
that was a huge concern of mine going into sales, if not my number one uh, concern. So I'll say this. Before you go into any sales role, there are two things I will say. One, can and does that base salary cover your expenses? Meaning that I would never take a sales position and base all of my expenses on my commission. In this case, the base salary that I received, of course, covered my living costs. Uh, and was way more than my salary for teaching. So therefore I said, okay, any money extra that I make is just extra money that I never had before. The next thing I'll say, when you interview for sales roles and as you are researching companies, the number one question that I would ask you would suggest that you ask in that interview is how many people on that team are hitting their goals. And for the ones who are not hitting their goals, why are they not hitting their goals? And what is leadership or management doing to help them achieve their goals? So when I asked this question in my interview, the person who was interviewing me told me that 70% of the team was hitting goals. And in my opinion, that was a green flag to me that it was, in fact, an obtainable commission. Now, if he would have said less than 50%, 40%, 30%, that to me would have been a red flag that the goal was not obtainable, meaning that it was likely that maybe I would not be hitting my commission. Mm -hmm. Boom. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. <laughs> now, now that you've been in the role, okay, what would you say are the, let's just say top two or top three, okay? Qualifications or skills, better yet, better skills to make a solid, excellent SDR. What would you say those skills are that if indeed a transitioning teacher is like, you know what, actually, yeah, I do wanna have financial stability. I want the ability to earn a lucrative salary, how do they know that they're going to be good at this? What are those top two or three skills? Just like Molly always says, I think the best advice that she gave me is Ashley, be yourself, be your authentic self. And so when I'm on the phone with people or I'm in a meeting, what does it mean to be professional versus be myself? And is it possible for you to be professional while being your authentic self? And the answer is yes. So I would say the number one skill is being authentic in regards to speaking skills. When I call someone up to set a meeting, I'm not going, hi, this is Ashley from X company. I wanted to reach out to you because my tone is different. My language is boring. You don't feel any energy. And I'm quite the opposite. I'm super energetic and you feel my energy through the phone. So I always call up and I make a funny joke. Why do I make jokes? Because that's who I am. And I like to laugh and I like to have fun. So for example, today was when I was on the phone calling people, I was like, hi, this is Ashley from Rebecca. And the reason I'm reaching out to you is X, Y, Z. Hey, Ashley, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm pretending it's Friday. What about you? I automatically start laughing. 
Or if it's an early call in the morning, I'll make a joke about coffee. Thanks for answering my phone call at eight in the morning. That must mean you had two cups of coffee already. And it gets people laughing. Now it might sound stupid. However, people are more willing to listen to someone they like. So if you can get someone to like you in in those first few moments of connecting with them, you're already in the door. They're already listening to you and the battle is more than halfway done. So I would say speak with authenticity, meaning be yourself. And if you're not someone who likes to joke around, that's okay. Just be you and that's valid and more than enough. Second, do not underestimate the power of setting meetings in dynamic ways. You don't just have to talk to people on the phone. You can reach out to people on LinkedIn. You can reach out to people through email, which means you have to have written skills. As transitioning teachers, we have top-notch skills of expressing ourselves in a written manner. More than half of my meetings are set through email. I don't even have to make a call. Why? Because when I reach out to people, I tell them who I am. I introduce myself immediately. I tell them why I'm reaching out to them specifically. And then I add a value proposition based off of their role and their industry. And that always leads me to meetings through email. And I'm the only person on my team who's able to achieve that. So as teachers, we're already in the door. Lastly, I would say connect, connecting with others. So we do that naturally every every single day. So when I was a teacher, you know, I'd have conversations with my students about uh, their weekend, uh, TikTok, Minecraft. I don't even remember what what we would talk about, but it was mainly the newest TikTok song that came out. And hey, Miss Senny, take a look at this new dance, right? And so I'd have to connect with them on their level. It's the same in sales. Figure out what is important to people and connect with them. And that's not necessarily related to their role. So for example, yesterday I called up someone to set a meeting. One of the first things she said to me on the phone was, happy Monday. I'm so tired. I just got back from a trip from Las Vegas. So I didn't just ignore that. I said, no, you just got back from a trip from Las Vegas. Your Monday is definitely feeling like a Monday. How was your trip? Now, my suggestion to you is if it's someone you don't know and you've never talked to, you haven't earned the right to call them up and say, hey, how are you? They don't know you. They don't know why you're calling them. So they're just going to give you a generic, I'm good, thanks. How are you? But If you get them to talk and speak and find something that you can connect with them about, you'll keep that conversation going and then the battle's halfway done. Love that. I love that. And I know you've mentioned meetings, meetings, meetings. Okay. So let's break this down. Okay. Yes. In the simplest terms that you can, can you tell the the listeners like, what does an SDR do? Okay. In the simplest terms, what I do is I generate leads and call leads that are given to me by sales operation and marketing to essentially pitch our product, but more so than pitching the product, you're pitching the meeting. 
So what do I mean when I say that? I'm not calling someone up to try to sell them my company's product. I'm calling them up with an intention based off of their target role and the target industry. And I'm giving them enough value proposition to be interested to meeting with my company. Then it is your account executive's job to continue to learn more about them and continue that interest to essentially close that company. Your job is to start the interest and to get that meeting. And then your commission is from getting qualified meetings. So you might say, okay, Ashley, you're saying a bunch of stuff that I really don't understand. What is what is that? What does a qualified meeting mean? So that means that after you set a meeting with someone, let's say I call them up, they said they're interested in learning more about my product. So we set up some time to meet. That's when your account executive gets involved and they are the one who essentially leads that discussion. If that lead expresses interest in learning more, meaning typically what happens is a demo is next, then that is considered a qualified meeting. And then that is how you get your commission as an SDR or a BDR. Got it. Okay. So I, let me summarize this. Okay. Yep. What I'm hearing you say is you're essentially the person that is introducing yep. your account exec, exec to yep. this new acquaintance that you just yep. met. And you're the one that's the connector between like, hey, I just met you, possible client. Nice yep. to meet you. I think that this is going to be something that's going to be valuable for you that can help solve your problem. By the way, I'm going to introduce you to my account executive who's going to continue this relationship moving forward. Exactly. So the way I think of it is when I call people, I'm the face. Mm -hmm. I'm the face of my company. When I call, maybe they've never heard of me. Most times they haven't. That's why it's called cold calling, even though I don't believe that cold calling has to be called. And I'll explain what I mean in a later question. Uh, however, once I introduce myself and my company and there's interest, then essentially it's my AE's job to continue that interest and close the company. So I start it and he finishes it. That's the most, he or she finishes it. That is the most simple way that I can explain that. And I'm referencing he because my AE is a boy. However, I completely understand that there are also women who are in this role. Love that. I love that. Okay, quick break before we get back to the episode. I am so, so excited, per usual, of course, because you know me, I'm always excited about my upcoming workshop happening on Thursday, July 6th at 4 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, this is for all of my ladies who are looking to learn everything there is about LinkedIn. It's what I call conveniently the LinkedIn Accelerator. Learn how to optimize your LinkedIn profile to attract recruiters and hiring managers to you. I know, mind blown. Let's help make your job search that much easier by having the right recruiters, the right managers contact you instead of you constantly chasing them. Now, 
All you got to do is go into the description of this episode. You will see a registration link for you to join this free workshop. Yes, it is 100% free. I would love to see you there. Bring all of your questions. There will be time for Q&A at the end. See you there. Just like I slid right into your DMs, let's slide right back to the episode. <laughs> Let me just ask here. Yeah. Now that you, well, I'm just going to be, again, let's just be real, okay? Because we're talking yep. about all of the good things, which is good yep. because we do want to talk about the good things. Of but course. I know the listeners, I know our, my listeners, and they're going to be like, okay, but Ashley, it, I mean, it can't be all cotton candy, rainbows, gumdrops over here. What are some things that you wish you knew that was like, dang, yeah, you know, wish I knew that ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, cold calling is not for everyone. So what I'll say is, you know, before this role, I was the type of person where if, if you wanted to order a pizza with me, I would be like, okay, that's fine, but I'll order online or, okay, that's fine. But you call, I don't like talking to strangers even though I'm super bubbly, um, if I know you. So that was my take. However, the way I view this role is because it's my job and because I'm a confident person who wears red lipstick at home while working remotely by herself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if you can just be yourself and find joy in connecting with people, then that is enough to sustain the cold calling. But it can become a little routine. So it's kind of like driving. And I think Molly actually gave this analogy in one of her old episodes where you, where you just drive and you take the same route and, and whatnot. So it can easily become a job where you just call and call and call and wait for someone to answer. And that's all. However, if you are someone who is self-motivated, which we all are as teachers, if you are someone who is a go-getter, which we all are as teachers, uh, who is a performer, because we all are as teachers, then this is a role that you should seriously take an interest in. And I say that because it can be a routine, but it doesn't have to be a routine because you yourself can source your own leads and you yourself have the autonomy to say, this is who I want to call. This is what I want to say. Mm. And that is not contingent upon what your coworkers are doing, what, what your management is doing at all. So be your authentic self and do what works for you to get those qualified meetings. And that's what keeps it interesting and fun. However, if you are just going to call up and then hang up and then call someone up and then hang up and then call again, then yeah, that's when it can be boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Next. Um, sorry, Molly, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, no, I love it. The other thing that I wish I knew that, that I wish I knew then that I know now is it is an entry level role. We are not entry level candidates. And I know um, Molly, of course, talks a lot about the importance of not applying to entry level roles. 
there can be a negative connotation depending on what company you work for, what sales department you work for regarding your role, because you are considered at the bottom. And because of that, you might not feel respected or valued. So if you're going to be in this role, it's a super important to inquire about the company culture. Two, the relationships between AEs and SDRs. I absolutely adore my AE and I talk to him like 20 times a day. He is my friend and we laugh and we have fun together. However, that is not always the case. Um, Just in general with coworkers, I don't really think it has to be an AE, but just in general. And then C, ensure that your company does have a clear action-based structure in place for being promoted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect segue. Yes. Right? What's next? What's next for you? Okay. So um, I'm currently interviewing for another BDR role at another company. And, you know, when I transitioned to this specific company, I really wanted to be done with teaching. And I needed to be done with teaching fast. Now, because I was coaching with Molly, was I desperate? No. Was I interviewing with other companies? Yes. Did I receive other offers for director positions? Yes. I went with this company and this specific role because it was a gut feeling that I had inside of me. And it's not something I can explain. All I can say is it was the right choice for me at that time. Mm -hmm. However, I have been at the company for over a year now as one of the highest uh, performers on the team. And it's not my forever home. And because of all of the skills that I learned with Molly and how to interview and how to answer questions and the confident piece and just strategizing for what company do I want to apply to and what roles and and what does my career path look like? I no longer need Molly to help me because she has set me up for success to do it by myself. Now, let me say, do I wish I had Molly? Yes. I miss you. (laughs) I miss you so much. And just talking to you right now brings me so much joy and happiness, but I don't need you. And I say that with all of the love and appreciation ever is that I have proactively networked. I have proactively applied. I proactively have a strategy and I'm on my second interview with a company that I'm interested in and that aligns more with where I'm at currently and my values and my career aspirations and am so excited. I love that. Is job searching now way different than job searching the first time around? 
It better be girl. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Let me rephrase the question. Is job searching now as scary as it was? No, no. Um, I know exactly what to do now. It's um, it's not stressful. Uh, it's not time consuming. It's not overwhelming. Um, you know, honestly, am I ever going to be excited about job searching? Probably not. Fair. But um, do I know what to do? Yes. Do I know what to put on my resume? Yes. Do I know when to, to have a cover letter? Yes. Do I need to change it every time? No. Do I need to be applying every single day of the week? Not at all. So I know how to do it because of you. And there's nothing stressful about that. Oh, I remember it's literally night and day when I hear you talk about job searching now. Yeah. It's really yeah. from a place of you have the choice, you have the empowerment where before it was like, I had to job search because if yep. I didn't get out of teaching, yep. your mental, emotional state Goodness. would just be continuous, continuously deteriorating, right? Where this time around, you're like, yeah, things are not broken. Things are good. I'm a top performer. I can do whatever I want. And yep. I'm entertaining only the best of the best because now you are building, continuing to build on top of yep. this career yeah. that you have built. Yeah. Um, a few things that came to mind when you said that. Uh, number one, I'm not doing it all, all the time. And that just reminded me of teaching and how as a teacher, you're constantly working in, you know, nights and weekends and grading and lesson planning. The one thing I'll say about going into sales, and I think just in corporate in general and really any role, is when I close my computer at whatever time I want to close it, I'm done. I'm not working on the weekends. I'm not working late at night. I'm not participating in meetings on the weekend or anything like that. I truly do feel like I have a work-life balance. And right now, I am the best most confident, most empowered version of myself. Yes. Yeah. You're in a, and let me just clarify, you are in a hundred percent fully remote position. 100% fully remote, which means I have the autonomy essentially, of course, you know, you need to take into consideration time zones, but, um, you know, with teaching, I would race to work every day. And I was already in a bad mood, right? Because of traffic and just trying to get there on time. And I didn't even want to be there. And, you know, with my current fully remote job, if I open my computer at 845, if I open it at 915, if I open it at 945, if I open it at 10, it's okay. Because I will get my work done throughout the day. And if I want to be on a podcast at 4 p.m., even though my schedule is until 5, then I will do that too. And <laughs> if I want to go have lunch in the afternoon because Molly's in town uh, and we want to sit and, and meet each other, then I will do that too. So there is lots of flexibility with a remote role and with sales. And the reason that is important is because once you hit your numbers for the month, the rest of the month is just cruising and it's easy. And then you're just setting yourself up for the following month. So I already hit my quota last week. Now, of course, am I doing my job with fidelity every single day? Yes, of course. However, 
I can be flexible in my schedule and I can be flexible also with my calls and my emails and my outreach since I have already reached my goals. And then I'm setting myself up for success now ahead of time for next month so that next month I will continue to hit my goals and be proactive. Yeah. It's what we call autonomy. Yep. You, right? I mean, everyone talks about the the number one thing that that well it's the number two things <laughs> top two things that as a transitioning educator a lot of you have hopped on clarity calls with me and you know what you tell me all the time when I ask you what those non negotiables are you say I want to work fully remote I want a yep. flexible schedule I want yep. to be able to spend time with my kids or my family or run yep. a load of laundry without anyone breathing on my throat. Yep. And then the second thing is you all want to make what you guys deserve in yep. all of the effort that you put in. And if you have not considered sales, I highly encourage for you to be open to it. You know, yes. and one of the things that I'm going to I'm going to close our episode out on here, and I'd love for Ashley to do the honors of closing out this episode is talking about your next role does not have to be where you retire. Your next role does not need to be the be all end all for your career and be your forever home. Yes. Uh, When I went into this role, I went into it knowing that that was not going to be my final stop. However, was it going to be new? Yes. So therefore it was going to be exciting. Was it going to help me grow? Yes. Did it check off all of the boxes on my non-negotiable list, which were working remotely, having a six-figure salary, and having autonomy in my role? Yes, 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 yes. My role allows me the ability to take care of the lifestyle that I want. And because of this role, I'm living the lifestyle that I once thought I would never be able to have because it's the exact opposite of teaching. So if the only thing that is stopping you is fear, say hi to your fear and let it flow like a river and take a chance and you will come out on the other side exactly like me, more confident knowing that you can be, do, and have anything you want, including sales. Yes. Yes. Oh, my dear, I am just so honored and so privileged that you are here and continue to be a part of my life and my journey. And thank you for sharing where you are now and the updates because I cannot continue to be any more proud of you as you continue to elevate your career without my help. (laughs) Look at you go. Thank you. It's really my honor. Thank you for constantly including me in this podcast, in a video that we did a few months after. And just know that Molly's effect on you is way more than just the time you spend with her. It is long lasting. And when she says and shows you that she's a genuine person, it's not just because you're her client. It's because she is genuinely a good hearted person of integrity who cares about you. And I know that have lived that and mean that 200%. Thank you. 
Oh, so much love right back at you, babe. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If this is something that resonated with you, or you think this is something that would be helpful, share yeah. this episode, pass it along. That is the best thing you can do for me as well as for Ashley and her story. With that being said, thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.